0: Good morning, friends. It's wonderful to worship with you uh, this morning as we continue our series on beloved hymns with When Peace Like a River, better known by its memorable refrain, It Is Well With My Soul. To explore this hymn, we are guided by the story of Jesus calming the storm in our first lesson. Earlier this summer, you heard Mark's version of this well-known story when our supply preacher was here, Uh, So, today, I thought we could hear hear Luke's slightly shorter version of the story, where the disciples stand in awe that Jesus can command the the wind and the sea. Our second lesson is from Paul's letter to the church in Rome, where he helps the Romans see how God is at work in the storms in our lives, and that ultimately, nothing, and he means nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I invite you to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the eighth chapter of Romans, beginning with the 26th verse. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? For it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long, we are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. Now, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our hymn today was originally written as a poem in 1873 by Horatio Spafford, a Presbyterian layman who was a lawyer in Chicago. A few years earlier, Chicago had a massive fire that claimed the lives of 300 people and destroyed over three square miles of the city. Spafford had arranged a special trip to Europe for his family. and A business matter kept him in Chicago, but he planned to join with them later in France. According to Henry Gariepi, In the middle of the night, their boat was rammed by another ship and split in two. Spafford's wife would survive, but his four daughters perished. When she and other survivors reached land following their rescue, she sent a two-word telegram to her husband that reads, Saved Alone. In utter shock and grief, Spafford boarded the next ship to join his wife. On his journey across the Atlantic, family legend claims that the captain of his ship told him when they were passing over the area where they believed his family's boat had sank. At this moment, God put these words on his heart. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. These initial words were published by Spafford in a collection of poems entitled Waiting for the Morning, and other poems. This poem was put to a tune named for The Ship That Sank by Philip Bliss a few years later, and sadly, Bliss would also die at sea that same year. While like other popular hymn stories, I'm sure this one has been embellished a bit, but it sure is a moving story. Regardless, it's clear that Spafford is a man who knew grief, knew pain, suffering, and yet crafted a beloved poem which became a hymn in the midst of it that praises God's providential care. As such, it's not surprising that this beloved hymn has been a go-to for Christians ever since who are wrestling with loss and are seeking God's presence in the midst of tragedy and grief. At the same time, however, as a pastor, I'm concerned that this hymn has been misunderstood at times to perpetuate a problematic rendering of what is known as theodicy, better known as a struggle to understand why God would allow bad things to happen to good people. So I wanted to explore this together a bit to show how this hymn, along with our lessons, helps articulate what it looks like to faithfully seek out God in the midst of loss and trouble, in the storms of our lives. Now, the most problematic understanding of human uh, suffering, uh, tragedy, or loss is that it is somehow divine punishment for sin. Jesus himself takes us on when asked about a man who was born blind. He's asked who sinned to merit such a punishment, this man or his parents. Jesus says neither, yet through this God's, uh, through this God's works might be displayed through him. Jesus clearly rebukes such thinking that was popular in his day, and unfortunately has remained so, even within Christianity. A close cousin to this thinking, though, is the issue regarding the will of God. And here's where our hymn comes in. The idea goes as such, a bad thing happens, and it may not be punishment, but it's God's will to have happened. This kind of thinking asks believers to simply accept tragedy as God's will. It's embellished in the kind of hallmark saying to someone after a loss, well, God just needed another angel. Some over the years have interpreted or understood our hymn today in this way. And from lines such as, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. It denotes a kind of resignation to God's will. It is well, even if it's at the expense of your pain and suffering. I can't say honestly for sure, but I really don't think Spafford's hymn condones such thinking about the will of God. I don't. The God we know in Christ, who wants us not just to have life, but life in abundance, did not will the sinking of a ship causing the death of 226 lives, including Spafford's four daughters. The God we know in Christ does not will the ongoing tragedies we've seen in Haiti or the horrors we've seen in the past week in Afghanistan. And God certainly did not will this never-ending pandemic. So if tragedy and loss are not divine punishment, and they're not God's will, what do we make of it? Preacher and scholar Tom Long once shared a story when he uh, happened to meet a renowned oncologist who was either agnostic or an atheist. He shared with Long that if there is a God, he said, I am walking right up to the divine and show God a cancer cell and simply ask, why? I'm willing to guess many of us might also want to show an image of the COVID-19 spore to the divine and ask the same thing. Long thought for a moment and said, you know, I think God would say, this is my enemy too. In a similar way, friends, I think this hymn and our lessons help us to see that tragedy, suffering, pain, loss, death, are all God's enemies, too. That one day God will triumph over the evils in our world. Throughout, our li- throughout the verses, our hymn moves in this direction. From the second verse, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. Then, as the verses continue, that Christ bears our sin and brokenness on the cross. And finally, in the fourth verse, asking God to hasten the day when our faith shall be sight, that clouds rolled back like a scroll, and the trumpet sound, and the Lord descend. It's these images that elicit scriptural allusions from Revelation and Isaiah of God's desire to wipe away our tears, to eradicate pain and suffering and that the final enemy of God is death itself. It's an image of who God is for us in Christ, echoed in our reading from Romans. If God is for us, who can be against us? That nothing, not death or life or rulers or pandemic or division or brokenness, nothing can separate us from the love of God we know in Christ our Lord. So if these pains and tragedies are not God's will, but are God's enemies too, a fair question might be, what is it for Spafford when he says, it is well with my soul? For Spafford, as I've said, I think it's clear that the tragedy is not what is well with his soul. Instead, what is well is God's presence, God's peace, God's Spirit that's shown up in this dark time, that God's Spirit and peace passes all understanding, that is there with him in his heartache. In our lesson, Paul tells the Romans that the Spirit of God helps us in our weakness, interceding with sighs too deep for words. This, I think, is what is well for Spafford's soul that in his grief and mourning and pain, God's Spirit shows up and is there with him, interceding with sighs too deep for words, giving him comfort and a peace that passes all human understanding. Friends, I can't help but think of how needed of a message this is in the crazy time we are living through right now. With an ongoing, never-ending pandemic the resulting cultural battles over masks and vaccines, the disheartening situation unfolding in Afghanistan, the earthquakes and storms and Hades, wildfires, hurricanes. I could keep going, but you get the picture. Lutheran pastor Nadia Bulls-Weber so aptly describes this feeling. She shared that an old apartment she lived in had some pretty outdated and, in her words, sketchy wiring. Anytime she wanted to listen to the stereo with a hairdryer on, she would find herself having to go to the circuit breaker to flip it, flip it back. When her apartment was built, there were no electric hairdryers, and the system would shut down, as she said, whenever modernity asked too much of it. She reflects that this overloaded circuit breaker reminds her of how many of us have felt lately, during this crazy time that our emotional and spiritual circuit breakers are overloaded and overwhelmed. The good news, friends, that's revealed in our hymn and our lessons is that God is there with us in the struggle. When the circuit breakers of our soul feel maxed out, God's Spirit shows up to intercede with sighs too deep for words, giving us peace that surpasses understanding. Trusting in a God who shows up when we're overwhelmed reminds us that in the midst of this crazy, stressful period we're living through, friends, it's simply okay to not be okay. Or to use the words of our hymn, it's okay for it not to be well with your soul. It's okay to seek out the help of a friend, to talk to a counselor or other mental health professional. And you're certainly always welcome to come talk with me as well. Spafford's hymn helps us see that whether it is well or it's not well with our souls, God is there with us. God's in the boat with us in the storms and seas of life and that God will not leave us on our own. Friends, as we go out, may we remember that the pains and sorrow of this life are God's enemies too, that will one day be defeated, that there's nothing in all of creation that can separate us from the love of God we know in Christ, and that when we feel overwhelmed, God's Spirit shows up with sighs too deep for words, giving us peace that passes understanding. Empowered by God's ever-present, ever-interceding Spirit, May we seek to find ways to show up for our neighbors that we might be the presence of Christ's light and peace to them. May it be so, friends. Amen.